0: Sonic State.com.
1: Welcome to Sonic Talk number 97, um, and we're a small but perfectly formed group this week, I'm not sure, I think Mark might be camping, uh, Rich Hilton, not sure where he is, and PJ said he was coming, but I guess he couldn't make it, but we do have, back from quite a break actually, is Mr Non-Eric from Musotalk.de, home of fine video podcasts.
2: Yes. Hello, everyone.
1: Hello, and you and you may indeed have um, seen him in the English translation of the NPC Five Thousand review he did. <laughs> yeah, it was fine.
2: That was great. Uh,
1: so you've been on holiday, Hans?
2: Yes, Bavaria and the Rhineland, and crossing the Rhine at the Brücke at Remagen. You know.
1: Oh, love! Well, it's quite it's quite hot down there in southern Germany, isn't it?
2: Well, generally, we had a g- great uh, um, year this year. It uh, was miserable last year. Never really got out uh, to the lakes and swimming or anything. But this year has been splendid ever since April almost.
1: Well, um, I'm envy. As, cause, uh, it, as everybody knows, I've been banging on about it for long enough. Um, it hasn't been like that here. It's been rubbish. <laughs> um, and also, we got Mr. Dave Spears from GeForceSoftware.com, who I also believe has been away on a short break.
3: I have, yeah. And I'm really knackered because we got back at silly o'clock this morning, so expect me to be as monosyllabic as ever.
1: (laughs) Short breaks are plenty. (laughs) (laughs) Not me. I was hard at work doing something. I can't remember what it is I've been doing, actually. It's one of those weeks. But yeah, so um, I think we might be visited with Mr. Rich Hilt. Rich Hilt might be joining us shortly. He's just uh, said he popped in. He's just a bit late. He's got a set up and then he'll be with us. So, um, well, let's just jump straight in, shall we? Because we've got plenty to talk about and the first thing was and i'm going to play a little clip from this because it was such a beautifully voiced over video
0: the u82 offers scalable dsp power via three different types of 1x pcie cards solo duo or quad which can be mixed and matched to any combination of up to four cards each u82 is powered by the same analog devices shark floating point dsp in single and multi-chip configurations, allowing you to pick the single card or combination that best suits your needs or budget. The UAD Well, how about that
1: then? UAD two from Universal Audio, the kind of one of the longest-standing um, DSP accelerator cards for the uh, PC and Mac. Um, they've just announced a new one, which you, you can get in four flavors: the Solo, which is. Uh, a single um, uh, one of these latest Shark DSP chips the Giro which is two of them and the Quad which is four and they give you the Solo is apparently 2.5 times the power of the original UAD card the duo is five times and the Quad is therefore ten times so uh, what do we think?
2: Mm-hmm. About time, I would say.
1: Yes, they did. There was a video previous to that where they were talking to some of the scientists and sort of, they, they were talking to the MD, I forget his name of, UAD, and he was sort of saying, um, you know, the... The longevity of this technology has been amazing. And one of the things they say is the reason that it's taken them so long is because they wanted to bring out another card that would presumably last <laughs> just as long and get them another sort of, I don't know, marketing what's it going? bull. Seven marketing
2: years. bull. <laughs> what I think what really, what really happened is, I mean, the UAD one has been out since, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, 2001. And by the time now, I think uh, you know the latest plugins has been taking up so much uh, uh, DSP power that you can barely run two of them on a single card.
1: Is uh, that right?
2: And the rumors are that they have all this time been using a non-standard military or graphic DSP. And it's been taking them so long because they had to rewrite all their code for a completely new DSP. Uh, generation uh, a DSP uh, manufacturer I mean the, the shark is a totally different beast than right. what they've used correct me if I'm wrong Dave do you know anything about that technically
3: I thought they'd always use the shark chip no I think well, it was the
1: latest yeah it was just the latest version but no maybe- I don't
2: think so no no, no.
1: Does that mean all the plugin people are going to have to rerun those or have they got written some kind of real time interpreter because that'd be a nightmare if all the plugins had to be rewritten wouldn't it
2: Absolutely I think that's I mean obviously uh, there was a demand for more power already some time ago because the last uh, plugins that were released as I said were using so much DSP power that you could only run two instances or one and a half on on a single card which it's not really, you know, when it, when it came out, I remember that we were using, I think, two gigahertz PCs.
1: Right, or okay.
2: 1.8, and, and the UAD would be like three, t- one UAD would give you like three times the, the power for plugins than you would have on your PC. But now it's the other way around. You can run a lot, lot, lot more uh, um, plugins on your host application natively, and the UAD has been sort of falling back on that.
1: I suppose that makes sense. I mean, but you know, you're bound to run into that in this in this game, aren't you? Because I mean, it's all about it's it's like this kind of exponential growth in speed and uh, technology so i mean they 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 need to kind of really populate i mean they were talking to the people who make made the shark chips and you know they were being very complimentary about how they they were getting the most out of it and they were really sort of psyched that someone was bothering to put four of them on on a single board i've never used them i've never used the uad stuff i know uh, they're they're really quite popular in the states aren't they
3: because a lot of people like to use the sort of branded sort of plugins on them is that right i think they're. i can't say enough good about the uad i use it all the time it's one of those plugs that when i when i went to the eight core mac uh, i just had to get it and i know there's an issue at the minute isn't there with logic and uh, running multiple version uh, multiple um, instances of their plugs but um it almost doesn't matter i mean i use the cambridge eq loads it's like a Beautiful surgical EQ and the Pultec stuff um, and the Fairchild. I mean everything, really. I think they're great. I'm just looking up the Shark thing here, and I know um, it's the same chip with um, you know that John Bowen uses.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. It's a whole sort of creamware sort of thing.
1: Aha. Mm. Uh-huh.
3: mm.
2: And uh, I I remember. I think I used the first UAD one in Germany. Because at the time we were send a sample to Steinberg because uh, Steinberg distributed the first load of UAD cards back when it was released and I remember t- immediately checking out the um, the URI compressors you know the 11th
1: the yeah. Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah
2: yeah yeah and I was so blown away because it was the first software compressor that came close to the sound you know and was and also I like the reverb. I mean, when it came out, the two things that really made it so uh, important for me was a, gr- a good reverb and a great compressor.
1: All right, cool. Uh, hey, listen, I've got Rich Hilton, who I know is very interested in this, so I'm just going to go and grab him. Good morning. Sorry, I'm late. That's no problem. <laughs> from from Connecticut. I'm glad you could join us. We um, we're. we're actually just jumped right in on the UAD2, the new uh, card from Universal Audio, and uh, we were just talking about um, about them.
0: I was very interested in it as a product. Um, I wondered about the emulations. I haven't heard the uh, Universal Audio stuff. Uh, they make some rather uh, extravagant claims about mixer architecture and the ability to emulate a Neve 88 series console. Um, which interests me as well. Oh yes, uh, in the
1: video they said if you got is it the if you get the quad you can emulate a full 32 channel Neve console in it. No,
0: they say they say with a quad card you can emulate a 128 channel Neve 88 series console. <laughs> oh, good lord. <laughs> uh, which I think they're directing towards post applications and things like that, but I'm trying to figure out Which platform are they trying to support with this sort of thing, and how does that console emulation manifest itself in that software? Right, I see what you mean, because it it doesn't necessarily sort of fit into this classic door setup. Right, I mean, am I opening one EQ at a time in Logic, in which case it's really not a whole console? Hmm. Well, yeah, that's an interesting claim.
2: I I didn't quite get that.
0: I'm, I'm saying, how does it um, manifest itself in a host software application as a console? Well, in the video, uh,
1: there's a, if you go to the UAD site, there's a video at the moment where there's a, I played a little bit at the beginning where the lady is uh, basically bigging up what it's capable of. And at one point they say you could run it as a virtual console of 128 channels of Neve, basically.
2: Well, basically, I guess it just means that you can open up enough instances of the of the various plugins and sort of stick a channel strip in there and a compressor in there in each of your channels. But that's basically it. That's how I understand it. It's a bit far fetched claiming it being a console. a Bit misleading.
0: Yeah, that's what I wonder about. Because uh, you know, 128 channels of uh, virtual Neve is a pretty ambitious thing.
1: Hey, is there a party going on at your house, Dave? There is, yeah. Sorry. It's, <laughs> it's
3: his birthday today. Oh, ah, well, okay. That's the,
1: the same missus who very kindly built the Sonic State banner that you can see at the uh, figurehead of last week's podcast. Um, just <laughs> like to say, happy birthday, Louise. Happy birthday, Louise.
2: <laughs> happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To
1: you. I don't think I'd stretch to singing because I think that actually might ruin her day rather than make it any better. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <laughs> let's just keep it at that but uh, yeah sounds like fun at your house anyway um so yeah uad uh, the the prices of these they the, their mm. packaging is quite interesting because you can buy the cards sort of individually without any bundles uh the solo uh is 649 the duo is one th- four nine, and the quad is 1899 but they they kind of add a couple of hundred bucks to the price and you get a sort of basic package and then you get a voucher for kind of like 500 bucks of extra plugins so it's quite a interesting way of doing it there's all sorts of different ways that you can buy it so i suspect i mean i guess if you take their existing user base which over i don't know what the the last seven years which they've been making this card is a a high proportion of these people are probably going to want to jump and upgrade there's presumably some sort of upgrade path so they must be a guaranteed sale of x number of units you know in the first kind of release point so they must be kind of quite pleased about that
0: Right. I'm also interested to know how it interfaces in a Pro Tools environment, or if it interfaces in a Pro Tools environment, which is how I might be interested in using it. I don't know, actually. I'm not
1: sure what the format the plugins are, whether they're AU or RTAS or whatever, and then you kind of have a wrapper or something. I don't know.
2: They use the wrapper from (laughs) F-Expansion in a collaboration, yeah.
1: So you can do it that way. I mean, the thing is with all of these cards, though, I mean, any kind of additional DSP, it's very much mix stuff. It's not, it's not really a real-time kind of world, is it? You can't kind of run instruments and things on them, which always seems a bit of a shame to me.
2: Mm. Are you, uh, Rich, are you using an, a, um, a TDM system? Yes. Okay, then you'll be fine, But because if you're using an R-Test system, there's no delay compensation. It would be virtually unusable.
0: Right. Understood. Yeah, I'd heard that. Thank you. Well, there we go. UAD2 Expander.
1: They've obviously pulled all the stops out, lots of video on the site, lots of big claims, lots of new products. Um, I can't wait to get to hear them. And maybe – I was wondering also if it's going to actually fit in with the um, Expander sort of thing that they did, because you can get an Expander card that runs – was it on PCI Express? So you could run it in your laptop? I haven't noticed anything there that – because that would be a that would be quite appealing you know if you could bunk bung a bunch of sharks on on the end of a pci express card in your laptop then that that would that could certainly tempt me
0: play the jaws theme
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i'm with you all the way you're very sharp today rich by the way rich i didn't actually say rich hilton can be found at myspace.com forward slash hiltonius thank you Right. Well, that was the first bit of the robot band. Um these are, in fact, Toyota robots. Um, they call them Toyota partner robots. And they're basically there's a couple of videos on YouTube and that that was the band playing. Uh, and um, the drummer was kind of a wheelie wheelchair
3: kind of thing. Dave, where did you come across this? a drummer sent it to me (laughs) 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 and we were both disappointed that they kind of clipped the uh, they cut the end of the clip where the rhythm started because actually it didn't sound too bad no that's what i thought i
1: mean you know it's it's sort of fairly cheesy it's a bit general midi and what have you but i mean the fact that that there's another one of the robot actually playing the the trumpet which is quite it's not terribly expressive but it's more expressive than i thought it would be and um I'm just kind of – aren't we getting – straying into sort of rather terrifying territory? Because I remember when, um, you know, it's like when all these kind of great big – when sampling was at its, its sort of peak peak of introduction, there were all these sort of real musicians going, oh, it's outrageous, you know, we'll all be out of work. But actually, looking at this, this is surely more of a threat. Can you imagine, though, in a, in a giant hotel foyer, have a robot band? I mean, it'd be quite a novelty, wouldn't it?
2: Brilliant. Well, ro- well, isn't the CD player already the robot band? <laughs> yeah, but right. it, doesn't,
1: it doesn't have the visual – impact does it
2: <laughs>
1: all the all the sort of latent threat of them perhaps going all a bit crazy and sort of scything down the audience in a kind of frenzied robot attack
0: well when i was a kid there was a huge carousel at an amusement park near where i lived that was made up of an, an orchestra of ceramic figures that would be sawing back and forth on their violins while the carousel would play this enormous mechanical musical instrument nickelodeon type thing um and this kind of reminded me of that, except I really wonder: is the is, are the buzzing lips coming off of this robot, or is this just all pre-recorded? Is is the sound actually coming from the physical robot itself? Oh, you wonder how how it's, uh, how they managed to kind of articulate its embouchure? Embouchure, yes, embouchure. Oh, that embouchure. It.
1: <laughs> That's an interesting thought, and rather kind of um, takes it into the realm of um, well, other applications, shall we say. The uh, the robot the ro- I see. <laughs> these robots <laughs> I mean because these robots they're basically under development from Toyota and there there are showcases for their kind of robots for helping various people. At, basically, they say Toyota wants its partner robots to have human characteristics such as being agile warm and kind, also intelligent enough to skillfully operate a variety of devices in the area of personal assistance, care for the elderly, manufacturing and mobility. Furthermore, each, since each area requires a special set of skills, Toyota is promoting the development of three different types of partner robots, walking, rolling and mountable, each with its own areas of expertise, which I guess they're using the band to kind of demonstrate and give it a wow factor. Um, But it's all, I don't know, it it feels suddenly we're really close to kind of that will...
3: What's-his-name movie? Oh,
1: I yeah, Ro- I, I, I robot,
3: <laughs> isn't it? I think there's actually a human inside there.
1: You reckon? It's like the Daleks, mm. Doctor Who style. Yeah. i kind of quite like to see how good a robot band could be. It reminded I was looking for this clip for ages, actually. I don't know if anyone remembers, Buck Rogers in the 21st century, right? Or 25th century, wasn't it? Uh, there's this brilliant clip where he's gone to some emperor's um, ball and he's, he's, he's trying, to, trying to partner up Buck with his daughter. And they got a band playing, and it's all robots, and they're playing this sort of really kind of twiddly, sort of not very groovy music. And Ro- and Buck jumps up on the stage and goes, hey, guys, can you pick it up a little? And they all start playing this kind of groovy electronic funk music, which just... I just kind of like to see a band like that in reality.
3: Level 42. <laughs> <laughs> oh!
1: <laughs>
2: oh,
1: that's harsh.
2: <laughs> we, already, we already had the Kraftwerk being robots on stage. Well, that's
1: very true. I mean, it's true, but they weren't real real. But, I mean, would you... Wouldn't you be fascinated to see a band of robots, or do you, does it not interest you? I mean, do you just think of the social kind of implications I, 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 of it.
2: Nick, I would be really, really happy to see robots playing music, but I'm afraid the world will see fighting robots before music playing robots working. Yeah,
1: I think you're probably right, actually. I mean, but all those kind of poor people who have to play on ferries and sort of stuff, which is the the worst gigs, you know, and they're basically just using a Yamaha Tyros keyboard or something equivalent and sort of pressing play and then playing the top line. It's it's, Surely a robot would be best placed to do that instead. And also, because they're sort of uh, incredibly strong with their exoskeletons, they could be bouncers at the same time, couldn't
0: they? (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Bring it on. (laughs) What happens when you pour a beer into one, though? That, that becomes the question. Mm. I'm, I'm sure they've got self protect Well, before you even
1: got that close, it would have probably zapped you with its laser force field. Surely.
3: <laughs> they should do a singing robot, shouldn't they, really?
1: Anyway, I mean, Dave, you sent that one, and it was sort of,
3: it, it just, it, it struck a bit of a chord somehow. A jazz chord. A jazz called to say I love you. That's what that trumpet player was doing. Oh, yeah, <laughs> let's
1: just have a little bit of this. Just check this out. what do you think you Think that was a robot playing it that's no, a human yeah. you reckon it's a human <laughs> no no it was a robot yeah i mean it's so it, it almost the, the the tone of it was so perfect that it almost stopped sounding like a trumpet at one point point. and they
3: should hook it up with that yamaha vocaloid thing shouldn't they as well <laughs> imagine Why that at not? the hilton bar at Nam. Oh, well i was just thinking now imagine what imagine
1: what you could what sort of a stir you'd cause if they were playing at the Hilton Bar? You had a robot band playing at the Hilton Bar in Nam. That would be, certainly, you could turn them down, couldn't you? <laughs> God, it, Well, I think it would, to be honest, it would probably be an improvement.
3: <laughs> oh, okay. chaos there. Yeah. I think that's what would happen, wouldn't it? All the sort of rock musos would storm the stage and beat them up.
1: Yeah. Smashed to death with uh, custom made air sprayed guitars.
3: Brilliant! But, I'd quite uh, like one to do my demos for me at NAM. That would be cu- quite cool, wouldn't it?
1: Wouldn't it just? This was a, um, this this next topic was triggered at the um, because I saw on Create Digital Music there was a new uh, sort of open source stomp box, three hundred forty nine bucks. It's got a Parallax Propeller CPU core and it allows you to program your own um, digital effects within the stomp box. And I know that um, Line Six have done the same thing with their tone core Development Kit. There was a video we shot at NAM. And uh, I think we talked about this before, but there just seems to be a whole load of stomp boxes coming out. Uh, also, we've got the Behringer range of stomp boxes, which uh, there's like 24-bit stomp boxes that are 39 bucks each or something, and that's their own kind of, that's their own technology. There just seem to be a lot of them about. Is that a kind of, do you think there's a resurgence? Because, I mean, I remember people used to use them quite a lot in music production as a sort of special something. You know, they put the snare drum through a whatever. Do you know what I mean? And there's kind of quite a lot of that, and that seems to have gone by the wayside a little bit with um, the the kind of more plug-in-orientated music production stuff. Anyone use them? Hans, I have a feeling you probably had a whole pedal board full of them to plug your MS-20 in.
2: True. <laughs> yeah, I've still got a Big Muff, original, oh, yeah. 70s, uh, MXR Flanger, MXR Phase. Uh, I've got a talk box that I've never used, as we already know. Yeah. From an old podcast, and I've got Ibanez Flanger, the yellow one, also. But they are all seventies models when I was in a punk band. Do you, do they
1: kind of come into play with any of the music stuff that you do still, or is it kind of just
2: currently? Uh, I'm in a in in heavy retro mode, but I'm currently working on some stuff where I'm using basically just an eight track Akai DR8 and a Mackie uh, eight channel. Mixing board. Ah, old school. Oh, very, very old school. And I think uh, in, in that scenario, uh, the stop box is already in in my side now. They're they've out of the out of the uh, 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 what's it called?
1: Out of the cupboard and onto the table. Uh,
2: yes, <laughs> that's right. Yes,
1: rich.
0: Uh, not really. Not since. Not since I was using them live on electric pianos years and years and years ago. I was never somebody in the studio prone to plugging them in. I'd always try it, and they, it just never it never seemed as good as the outboard gear I had for the same purpose. But uh, I know lots of people who do. I respect it. It's a wonderful pursuit. And this looks like a very interesting product. I'll be interested to see how many things they write for it and who writes for it. But uh, I personally don't have a lot of use for it, but I think it's an interesting product nevertheless. I've still got my original Mutron phaser around somewhere. Oh, I mean, yeah, you know, that's the, the kind of stomp box that interests me.
1: Mutron. What was that other one? The uh, the one that Stevie Wonder used was a Mutron, wasn't it? The Mutron 2 or the Mutron?
0: It was called the Mutron 3. It was an envelope filter.
1: Yeah, I, I had the pleasure of using one of those a couple of times. It's got a very distinctive sound.
0: We've got one at the studio. Yeah, it's great. How about
3: you, Dave? I thought this was really interesting, actually, Uh, not least because um, I was asked to find some guitar, some really interesting guitar effects for um, a guitarist quite recently, and I know nothing about anything to do with pedals. I've got some old electroharmonic stuff, which just kind of sits around, um, very rarely gets used, if at all. Um, And he was looking at the kind of Moga Fuga stuff, and um, he didn't want to do the line six route which is which was a shame, but then also there was these ZFX things, but this looks really interesting, particularly this some um, open stomp thing quite intriguing well the the thing about the open stomp is it
1: can somehow seem seems to have video processing capabilities in it, so it's obviously quite a poky little processor in there.
3: Mm.
1: I think you can get it for three hundred and forty nine bucks i'll put the links in the the show notes whereas the the line six tone cord dSP development kit comes what you basically get with that is a is the sort of bass unit which is like the pedal part with a usb Connector Which connects to a DSP programming thing that works. And then you get these little sort of inserts that you drop in and you can create your own facias for and use the knobs to do certain things and kind of integrate them into the whole DSP thing. And in fact, you know, they're actually encouraging people to kind of create different and unusual effects. So that you know, if you want to kind of say, "Hey, do a limited run of two or two or three hundred, or a couple of thousand, or whatever," they would help with the manufacture of it and cut the cost down on the because the module bit and the base bit, are, 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 they just stick them together. You know, it's quite simple, and they presumably can blow them, you know, blow the memory in them on mass, and then you know, help you with all that sort of thing. And it's sort of kind of like that whole. A&R thing. I mean, it's sort of linked slightly to the idea of all these new applications coming through the um, App Store on iTunes. You know, it seems to be bringing people out of the woodwork to do kind of funky stuff again, which hasn't happened for such a long time.
3: Yeah, and also with the stomp box thing, I think, because the guitarist that I was uh, asked to look for stuff for, he was using a TC thing which, you know, had a very limited amount of real time control particularly for a live performance. And with the whole stompbox thing, I think what he wanted back was, you know, knobs, more knobs, more knobs to do stuff with live. It's good, I mean, but it is a nightmare. I know the bass player
1: who's got this beautiful um handmade board with all sorts of um you know, what's it, peaches and cream and all these kind of really unusual sort of boutique pedals. And if the problem is is, you know, if there's if they change the set order and, yes. you know, he's got, to change, he's got to change a load of settings. It's an absolute nightmare because, you know, a lot of these things require kind of quite precise knob, what you call it, you know, positioning to get exactly the sound that you're after. Yeah. But one can't help but imagine that perhaps, you know, it's not going to be as characterful as an analogue kind of like a ZVEX or something like that. I don't know.
3: Well, everyone's gone nuts over those ZVEX things, haven't they?
1: Yeah, they're beautiful. They're all hand painted, aren't they? In a kind of psychedelic kind of fashion.
3: I mean, literally everybody I spoke to, and you know, and in fact, I think even wasn't it you who put me in touch with Adrian Nutley?
1: Yes, that's right, because he uses them. They've got things like um, they they emulate dying batteries and things like that, don't they? There's just a certain sound, the brownout, and all of that kind of stuff. Mm. I don't know. Maybe we'll see a lot more of it because, I mean, particularly with these Behringer's, they're so cheap, and they've got this 24-bit technology, and they've had some pretty good um, endorsees. We're going to hopefully get some in for a view and uh, tell you what we think.
3: I have to say, I was a little bit cynical on that twenty-four-bit Behringer. That's a bit like a a band splitting up for musical similarities, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Sonic Talk, sponsored by Yamaha Music Production. producers of the world's most popular digital mixing consoles, accurate professional studio monitoring systems,
0: incredibly realistic and portable digital stage
2: pianos, the versatile motif range of music production synthesizers, and the latest N-Series digital mixing studios, featuring the cleanest signal pump and full Cubase AI4 integration www.yamahasin.com Sonic Talk
1: And as we do head towards uh, episode 100 of the Sonic Talk podcast, it's a, it's a good time to say thank you very much to our Yamaha sponsors, Yamaha UK, Peter Peck in particular, who has been very supportive over the, well, nearly two years we've been running this. So, um, If you want to show your appreciation, go out and buy tons of Yamaha gear and tell them we sent you. But thanks very much once again to Yamaha UK for sponsoring the podcast. Incidentally, Yamaha have their own podcast that you can hear and that's produced on a monthly basis... In the September show, you can hear about uh, world superbike champion James Toseland, who uh, is an absolutely fantastic piano player. Uh, you can also talk, hear them talk to top session drummer Russ Miller, and you can win a Pocket Track 2G portable recorder. So head on over to Yamaha podcastsyamaha europecom to go and check out their podcast too. And once again, thank you very much to Yamaha for their continued support. It's strange for me that the sort of transition from only using EQ in software form and using it on a desk has been quite difficult because it. when I first started using EQ, you know, when I first got my first desk and I sort of was EQing things, it was sort of like I didn't quite know how extreme or subtle to be. You know, it felt like there were rules that I should perhaps know about that I didn't know. And I felt almost, again, with digital stuff, that I've had to relearn and re push away at those boundaries. And I just wondered kind of what other people sort of eq practices were and whether it was subtlety or whether there was you know what what is it that you tend to generally use i know rich you're kind of working probably the most full time in the production environment do you have a kind of favorite set of eqs or
0: software or hardware and how do you use them um let's see in our studio in hardware we have a rack of api 550a eqs uh that are magnificent I have a product from Germany called MindPrint DTC that has some very interesting EQs that work on a parallel circuit basis rather than running the entire signal through them. They tend to be somewhat additive or subtractive to the original signal. Um, And in software, I use quite a bit of MCDSP stuff in the TDM world and in the native world. I use uh, an occasional Poltec emulation, though this is part of my interest in the uh, UAD series cards is that I would be interested to expand the offerings. That said, I tend to be very conservative in my use of EQ. always have been, uh, except where I'm using an analog console behind an actual analog tape machine where I will twist things a little more madly. But um, these days I tend to revert back to my somewhat purest days of... Of using them, I hardly ever use them on the way in unless I'm recording a live band uh, with a drum kit and things of that nature. But if I'm recording the usual one thing at a time overdub there at the uh, La Crib Studios, I rarely use EQ on the way in. Uh huh. And I tend to EQ after I am in, uh, if at all. Well,
1: that sort of makes sense. I mean, Hans, I suspect that there might be a bit more extreme EQ in your in your arsenal, as it were, because I mean, when you're working with sort of the, in the sort of techno and much more kind of extreme dance thing, that it's it's more about fitting things into particular audio spectrums. Would I be right in assuming that?
2: Absolutely, but I can tell you the number one EQ trick of all times both works both on analog consoles and software plugins. You want to hear it? Let me have it. Don't touch it!
1: (laughs) (laughs) Why ever not?
2: No, but it's in a way I'm actually serious because I've been uh, most of the time when I was doing my techno stuff, I was using a Mackey. A bus console
1: oh i hated the eq on that it sounded like yeah. it was out of phase well oh, that would make you not want to use eq
2: absolutely oh. and, and ex- exactly because what happens there if you use eq done on more than one or two channels it would sound like it's going out of phase and everything would be horrible so it, basically what i did i did the eqing so to say uh, before the console before anything got into the console and i would really sort of tweak the sound or look for sounds that would not need to be EQ'd and would work really well together and that was f- quite a good strategy because i'd sort of developed a palette of sounds uh-huh. that i would know this kind this bass drum works well with these kind of basses on the microwave and so at the end of the day i think maybe that's Something that people should think of more even when they work in the software environment right. because it's so tempting you know, to get all, all these magnificent great tools and do all this extreme EQing when it might be wise to actually try to tweak the sound going into the software or maybe even go for a different sound, or a different combination of sounds. Well, that's
1: very true, but I mean, you could kind of say that the, you know, the filters, certainly um, VCF kind of filters, are are basically eqs they're just more extreme versions of them i mean so you you would be using them from that point of view before you got to the kind of traditional eq but uh, but just going back to the analog 8 bus i remember actually i've got an analog 8 bus i've got a 24 or a 32 and i was really chuffed it was when i was remixing and i got this thing in and i was really like wow now i can plug everything in and i i got it set up and i remember calling uh, this guy neil perry who's a really brilliant sort of audio he sets up studios he just knows everything about kind of the insides of stuff and i said there's something wrong it sounds like all out of phase and i just i thought it was broken and i had to sell it immediately (laughs) i just couldn't bear it because as soon as you touched anything it all went horribly weird and i don't know why it all sounded like it was ever so slightly out of phase and it made me feel very uncomfortable but anyway yes i totally agree with you Hans.
2: thank you
3: (laughs) dave strange i'm using uh well in fact it's no longer in the equation but um I've got Underworld's old Mackie 32 bus thingy that went round the world about 100 times and kicked ass on every gig, so... I,
1: I wonder whether there were good ones and bad ones myself, even though it was very mass-produced, because I, 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 had the same, I had the same thing with some people would just go, it's great,
3: and it didn't sound like that. Yeah, bizarre. I went well, I've got Baron, a- which was horrible. Well oh, there you go. That was my first desk.
0: Well, I've got a Mackie 32 by 8 sitting in a box with a meter bridge.
3: anybody wants it
0: but but
1: they were the the i mean you know you see them in production rooms you'd see them all over the place i mean they were the ones that they kind of enabled people to have writing rooms and stuff you know they were one of the first ones to allow you know that really kind of brought it affordable from what i remember of the inline nature of it you could just get masses and masses of inputs. yeah and
2: and, and basically if you didn't touch the eq it was a great sound i mean yeah i used the soundcraft before and other various uh low price mixes and that sort of did you know break the ground for being able to actually produce records in a home studio dave
3: eq sorry we didn't get to you yet uh depends on what i'm doing uh, my preference is nice and subtle, but if I'm doing sound design and stuff like that, I'll get really extreme. And again, it goes back to the UAD with the Cambridge and the Pultec stuff.
1: Pultec sound particularly good on um, analog drum machines, from what I remember. Mm. 808, a Pultec and an 808 is just an unbeatable combination.
3: That's funny. I'm still uh, quite gobsmacked over the Mackie thing, really. I mean, fat of the land, that was done on a Mackie, wasn't it?
1: yeah um, um and but from what I remember, and um, the prodigy were really into the the drive that you could get out of it, you know if you cranked up the mic inputs, you'd get this sort of distortion that they just just really fitted their sound, and that was the one thing I remember reading review where uh, Liam was just really that's what he was kind of really psyched about
3: uh, okay yeah yeah,
1: I think in some ways you know using plugins. It enables you to visualize it a lot more clearly because obviously with with knobs. I mean, I guess it depends on what you're used to. Rich, do you find it easier to you know to, to EQ things in software or or does it not really matter to you? Whichever.
0: It doesn't matter to me from the stamp from that standpoint. But uh, typically, the analog stuff sounds better, so it matters to me from that standpoint. In yeah. other words, there's nothing. I mean, that's why I'm interested to hear uh, the UAD stuff because there's nothing like plugging into a real knee VQ and turning the bass knob and hearing that, hearing the room get warmer <laughs> as the as the knob mm. rotates. And, that won't, uh, that
2: won't, that won't change with the UAD. <laughs> Basically, no? No, I mean, it's great. I mean, Dave, you know, it's great. But at the end of the day, um, there's still this sort of gap between analog and
0: yes data. i think there and will the be. emulations yeah
2: yeah
0: as we know i you know what else i like in software by the way there's a massenberg eq uh written for tdm that's uh really outstanding just very musical sounding and smooth and along with colin mcdowell's mcdsp stuff i can mostly cover what i need to do in software with those
2: uh, Richard, you said something about the visual thing or, or, or Nick. Yeah. I think that's yeah. actually kind of a drawback of, of using an EQ on the, on the computers. I, have a, I used to um, use a Mackey control on the uh, EQing mm-hmm. in the computer mm-hmm. and not look at the screen because visually I tend to do things differently because they just look Right rather mm-hmm. than hearing whether they right. sound right.
1: Or it looks more extreme on the screen than, and you feel that you maybe should back off or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's funny. I mean, I use, because I, I, now the only EQ I really use is is the one in Logic, you know. I mean, that's the only one I kind of I have. I don't have any third-party stuff anyway. I mean, I've got So, ah! so you know, that's it.
0: <laughs> uh, well, on the subject of, of uh, those kinds of EQs, I'm, I'm in this day and age, I'm amused when I go to a mastering studio and I see guys wrestling with Sonic Studio or Sonic Solutions in OS 9, and then they pull up one of those <laughs> crappy EQs, and I'm thinking, we're paying $300 an hour, so this guy can dick around with an EQ that bad? It's <laughs> remarkable to me. I'm serious. It's, it's <laughs> incredible to me. Guys get married to these mediocre EQs and use them in the mastering process. I have to say, we, did, we went into Abbey Road to redo a load of the Tron
3: tape banks, and he was using one of those very old EMI consoles. And that just sounded magnificent. Absolutely yeah. magnificent. And it yeah. was a case of the room got warm, definitely. Yeah. It's
1: it's funny that, isn't it? There was uh I forget which one it is. I know Neil Perry makes these um EQs. I think they're Decker and they're really expensive. I think they're two channel. Um they cost something like five thousand UK for two channel. And they've just they're mastering EQs, so you've got a switchable um top shelf and it goes up to thirty two K. And you can you turn it up, and you can you know if you're given the decent monitoring system and a reasonable source, you can hear the difference. It's this this sort of air kind of vibe you get. This it's quite amazing, and and they're very very
3: expensive, but they sound wonderful. It almost you know just
1: running something through it will kind of sound good. Yeah.
3: No, you're saying about the visual versus, you know, the kind of tactile nature, because when I was working as a kind of synth programmer full time, there was always an engineer by default. So he took care of all the desk stuff and I took care of all the synth stuff. So actually, for me, having the kind of visual, you know, because I was always used to sitting behind a computer, having the visual nature of, uh, you know, plug in EQ made things. Everything made a lot more sense to me because I didn't kind of, you know, I didn't do any Tonmeister degrees and, and all the rest of it.
1: It seems to me that the phase just seems a bit more kind of uh, together on, on on those EQs, certainly than the Mackie anyway. I suppose that's not much of a comparison, is it, Ray? <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: def- it's definitely not.
1: Aren't there now software EQs that uh, what is it? is it? nonlinear or what's the kind of term for it, where they, they actually don't mess with the phase at all?
0: Linear phase. Linear phase yeah, yeah. EQs. Linear phase EQs. Waves touts their, linear, their phase linearity, and I believe Colin does as well with McDSP.
2: Hmm. Did you guys ever try the uh, the um, Metric Halo Channel Strip? That's got a really nice, clean, but very very good sounding EQ. Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a bit clinical for me. But yeah, I hear it is. You. It is. Yeah. It is good though. It is
1: good. Well, so there we go. EQ a plenty. So um, I think um, we can probably wrap it up now. It's uh, now five to five UK time. Um, I'm guessing it's probably what? time would that make it your time, Rich? Ten o'clock in the morning. It's-
0: Uh, just before noon just
1: before noon okay well a couple of hours out and so i will say thank you very much for joining us and don't forget our 100th episode is popping up soon Uh, we're going to be broadcasting that live there'll be a chat room that you can participate in uh, which will be found at sonicstate.com forward slash live and i've been testing it today and it seems to be working the chat room that is and you don't need to have an account or anything you can just chip in so anyway it just remains to say thank you very much um for my guests Uh, i will start with you dave thank you very much dave spears from g4software.com thank you and to your uh, lovely lady wife louise happy birthday again to her
3: thank you i'm off to the party now
1: yeah have a great party uh non eric from musotalk.de where you can find all sorts of fabulous video content on just the kind of things that we've been talking about
2: and a little bit of pigeon english on the sonic state version of the podcast i do in german
1: not ah. pigeon at all perfectly fine and mr rich hilton from connecticut um who i assume is off to work um
0: in the studio just after this yeah shortly shortly and uh thank you very much and thanks again to the listeners as well
1: thank you all right well we'll see you all soon now of course myspace.com forward slash hiltonius and don't forget, if you want to comment on anything on the show, there's several ways you can do it. Just leave us a comment right on the show notes over at sonicstate.com, easy to find. Uh, or you can Skype us a answer phone message. Our, our Skype handle is sonictalk. Or you can ring us on a US landline, which links into our, our Skype answer phone. And that number is 312-376-8089. 312-376-8089.
2: We look forward to all your feedback. And thanks for your continued listening.